Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per month. If you're like me, who's been in the industry for a few years, coming up 25 years, we've seen a lot of changes with commercial vehicles. One of the things that we've really seen in the last few years is the introduction of a lot of new technology. And that's what we're here to talk about today. My guest today is Sean Toomey of the ZF Group. And Sean has been working with uh, ZF for more than five years. He began in the commercial vehicle steering group, but after ZF acquired Wabco, In 2020, they formed a new division in early 2022, and Sean assumed a new role of Director of America's Strategy, Market, and Sales for the world's largest CV supplier and systems integrator. That's what ZF has become. So, Sean, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. Glad to have you here and have an opportunity to talk about something that you've got a lot of expertise in. Hey, Jamie. Yeah, thank you very much. Glad to be here. So let's start our conversation off by just talking a little bit about the trends. What's the trends that you're seeing right now? You know, I hear words like efficiency, safety, autonomy, and connectivity. What's the trends and how is it impacting fleets? So we can boil these things down, Jamie, I think to three major mega trends, as we call them. So one of those is electrification and e-mobility. Another one is ADOS and AD, which just to define for your listeners is the combination of advanced driver assistance systems and then autonomous driving. And we can talk about that as a spectrum. And then the, the third, as you mentioned, is really connectivity and digitalization. And it, with these three sorts of pillars as the major trends that we see in ZF and in our commercial vehicle division in particular, Uh, We really oriented uh, both our strategy over the next 10 to 15 years and the portfolio of technologies that we have to support each of these trends. And so I think it would probably be helpful for us to maybe pick apart uh, a little bit of what we see in each of these spaces, Jamie, to get a better sense of, you know, what does ZS crystal ball look like for each of these? And then maybe what are some of the technologies that we have to support each of these trends? Right. Well, that makes sense to me. So let's start off with electrification. We're seeing lots of media releases about it. We see states like California and New York adopting mandates towards 2035. This is having a big impact on fleets. And I know I was just at TMC's fall meeting in uh, Cleveland and, you know, some of the conversation around, is there going to be infrastructure? How do I know that, you know, I'm, I'm making the right decision? When should I start the move towards electrification? These are the the kinds of questions that fleets are having every day. It's an interesting dynamic where e-mobility is concerned, because I think on the one hand, there is a lot of momentum in the industry right now to to push toward electrification. You mentioned some of the state actions. California, of course, I think is at the state level leading the charge with CARB, California Air Resources Board. 
and their various uh, policies and, and, and regulatory actions. One coming around the corner in 2024 model year is advanced clean trucks, just as one example. But all of these things are sort of generally pointing in the direction of either reducing or outright eliminating emissions. At the federal level, one of the biggest, I think, uh, carrots, if we talk about regulatory carrots and sticks, is, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, the Biden administration's Inflation Reduction Act. And that provides you know, some pretty healthy tax credits for fleets in the form of credits on the purchase of medium and heavy duty vehicles that are electrified up to $40,000. And then for charging stations, up to $100,000 for recharging those batteries on those vehicles. So there are, like I said, on the one hand, good points of momentum that support electrification. And if we as ZF were to step back and pull out our crystal ball and look at, say, 2030, we would estimate that somewhere in the ballpark of about 40 to 50 percent of all medium and heavy duty uh, trucks in North America will be electrified by 2030. Really that much by 2030. I, I would have thought that the trend would have taken us out beyond like 2035 to 2040 before we hit that. that well, point. there's an important distinction there and that that's production, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at, say, for argument's sake, 600,000 vehicles being built, half of that. Right. Because like trucks produced in 2029 that are ICE engines would be in, you know, in use and service for maybe 10, 15 years, taking us past 2040. Okay. I get it. Yeah. However, on the other hand, there are, I think, as you pointed out, some unknowns, some uncertainties that we as an industry still have to work through. One, I think, very recurring theme is the infrastructure. So when a long haul class eight electrified tractor goes out on the highway and they run out of juice in, say, 300 miles, if it's a BEV, where do they stop the charge? That's an open question. Will the supply of batteries that we need? And all of those critical earth elements like lithium and cobalt, will that be in plentiful enough supply to allow us to electrify everything we want to? Will the utility infrastructure be enough to provide what, by some estimates, is another 230 terawatts of power to charge all of these vehicles? So there are absolutely unknowns, Jamie. Um, I don't think we have them all figured out as an industry. But I think we are encouraged by the fact that there's a lot of momentum that points in that direction. Right. And from a fleet's perspective, like not only do you got to get your head around electrification and a completely different powertrain, power source for, for your commercial vehicles, but then you also have to think about, like to your point, the autonomous uh, systems, the assistance for, for drivers and those ADAS systems with collisions, it's much more complicated. There's a lot of concerns there about, about how to fix those and make sure those systems are back to exactly the specs. Otherwise, you could have issues. So there's all this other technology in that category that are affecting the decisions fleet maintenance managers have to make and the things repair technicians have to learn. That's right. ADOS, AD, if we can sort of pivot to that topic for a minute. I think from a fleet perspective, there's a, a fairly clear value proposition for ADOS and AD technologies if we just lead with safety. So safety is far and away a hugely important topic to fleets. Drivers, like all of us, are human. And so as humans, we make mistakes. We sometimes get sleepy or we don't pay attention. And, and these things, unfortunately, for fleets can translate into higher insurance premiums. And at the other end of the spectrum, the so-called nuclear verdicts, which are very costly. And ADOS technologies really help mitigate a lot of that exposure for fleets. 
at ZF are developing lots of technologies in that direction. Uh, and in the near term, for the next five to 10 years, that suite of ADOS technologies that the industry is launching, we do believe will go a long way in helping fleets better manage their exposure, add a, a very necessary and critical element of safety, and will be a, certainly a large stepping stone as we transition eventually to some degree in the industry of fully autonomous vehicles. Right. And connectivity kind of plays a role in all of that as well. There's an interesting quote here from Joyce Tam. She's the vice president of programs and product management from Peloton. And she said that one of the problems with connectivity is that we have too much data and not enough intelligence. So how is your company working to help solve that problem? Good question. So we actually announced uh, in a couple of points this year, both at our Global Technology Days event in in Nieversen, Germany, at our company-owned facility as well as at IAA in Hanover, not just a few weeks ago, about something that we're excited to bring finally to the North American market called Scalar. So Scalar is basically a, a digital backbone to support fleet orchestration and transportation as a service or a task. But we view this as really our uh, entry point for the market so that we can bring together under one digital roof, one ecosystem, all of the things that a fleet cares about in managing their trucks and vehicles, whether they're outside in the bay, right beside the office, or a thousand miles away, telematics to connectivity, to predictive maintenance, to route planning, everything under the sun for fleets is intended to be addressed with that solution. All right. Well, we've been talking about the mega trends here in commercial trucking. We're going to take a quick break. We get back from our break. We're going to talk about how all of this technology actually can help fleets and make good decisions uh, for their total cost of operation. We'll be right back. Don't have a heavy-duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. Looking for high-quality fuel injection for heavy-duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com slash aftermarket. Parts availability and quality have a big influence on fleets and owner-operators' total cost of operation. If they can't find a part, it means more downtime. If they install a low-quality part and it fails, it means even more costs like tow bills, hotels, meals for the driver, and lost revenue. That's why we recommend Sampa. They manufacture a wide range of advanced parts for commercial vehicles. Their website has an intelligent product search engine and broad coverage of suspension, steering, and fifth wheel components. Expect more. Expect Sampa. Visit sampa.com today. We're back from our break. And before the break, Sean, you did a great job of giving us kind of an overview of these mega trends and breaking it down in a way that we could really understand. You finished off in our previous segment talking about this new backbone for for fleets that that you're developing. What's it called again? Scalar? Scalar, exactly. Right. So let's talk a little bit about how the actual platform is going to work, how it would get implemented and integrated into a fleet's operations. Uh, So we're actually right now as a business uh, working internally to decide how exactly we want to engage fleets uh, with this solution. It's something that really kind of spans multiple channels and has, I think, multiple routes to market. There's certainly an OEM uh, component. There's first and foremost, a hardware piece and a software piece to to make these things come together and talk and communicate. 
There's also, I think, a distinction that we're trying to make channel-wise between OE, so first fit and aftermarket. But I think we're going to have much more to say about that as we launch this uh, in the second half of this year. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So conceptually, though, when you when you look at whether a fleet buys a vehicle new from the OE and it has this on the truck or it gets retrofitted into their fleet later, as you mentioned, it, it, we might have more information that later next year. What is the kind of the economic impact on fleets today when they have all this data, they have they have connectivity, they've got telematics, but they're probably using a lot of different platforms to try to manage it. What kind of an economic impact is that creating on fleets? Because they're trying to use this information to lower cost of operation, but that isn't necessarily what's happening right now. Right. I think predictive maintenance is a really good example of that, Jamie. So today for a fleet that doesn't have any sort of intelligence about their vehicle on the road doesn't understand, for example, uh, brake pads and the condition, it can be a much more expensive proposition to have to fix something after it's failed, as opposed to predictably knowing, you know what, the next time that truck comes into the depot, we need to take a preventative action there. The other point that you mentioned about multiple platforms is also something that we're looking to tackle with Scalar and uh, with our front-end solutions for that product. So that instead of a fleet having to go to multiple platforms across multiple tier ones to have a a complete connected view of the vehicle, we're looking to build an ecosystem that's basically a one-stop shop so that that fleet can use one solution where behind the scenes, we make the arrangements and exchange the data with our partners, also players in the industry. But for the fleet, it's very transparent. It's very easy to use. And like I said, it's a one-stop shop so that they can focus on really doing what they do best, which is running their fleet operations and not fiddling with multiple different solutions. Yeah. You know, even when I was just selling parts, I would travel with a manufacturer rep and we'd go into the field and talk to a fleet maintenance manager and, you know, whatever product they were selling, like, let's say we were talking about spring brakes or something, um, you know, they, they would explain to the fleet why buying the cheaper product actually costs them more in the long run and how spending more money on the purchase price, but a better quality product lowers cost of operation. And I would have that conversation over and over and over again. And I do remember some fleet maintenance managers saying like, you know, there's so many factors to consider here when making decisions on programs that sometimes they would just almost feel overwhelmed or get lost in that. And then you would just default back to kind of old behavior. So one of the things I'm, I'm excited about seeing where the industry goes with predictive maintenance and, and a one-stop shop and having all of this brought together into one place is like, how far can we go with lowering cost per mile, lowering total cost of operation? Like, can we reduce it by 10%? Can we reduce it by 40%? How far can we go with that combination of, of good data, technology, and being able to see a dashboard that allows you to make those intelligent decisions. I think the next few years are going to be very exciting of of where we can take that. What's your thoughts on how far we can go? It's a good question. I'm not sure I have the perfect answer, but as you described this, Jamie, this reduction in in total cost of ownership, you know, I'm I'm reminded of our our discussion a moment ago in electrification. I think for a fleet in general, when you look at all of these trends coming together and converging over the next 10 to 15 years, I think there are huge opportunities for really significant reductions in TCO. On electrification, for example, we know just ballpark figures that uh, electrified powertrains probably mean something like a 30 to 40% reduction in maintenance costs. 
ADOS and AD, we talked about the fact that the reduced safety incidents, the reduced uh, potential for crashes or other incidents on the road, that should translate into better insurance premiums also for the fleets. Now with connect connectivity on top and things like predictive maintenance that will reduce costs, I think the, the road ahead for more efficient operations and, and lower costs for fleets is, is really phenomenal and it's uh, really the sky's the limit. Yeah. And, and in addition to all of the cost savings related to the equipment, there's also the issue of, of our demographics. We just don't have enough people, you know, to fill all the open positions today. And I, I personally think that all of this technology is going to help ease some of that pressure because hopefully we're going to be able to achieve more with less people. And that's not going to cost anybody their jobs because we got more open positions now than we have people anyway. So maybe we might even be able to solve some of the, the human capital challenges that most companies are having. I think you're right. And in fact, one thing I've, I've come across recently that I thought was interesting is as it relates to ADOS and AD, I do think that there's an understandable perception by drivers uh, over this fear that in the future, a self-driving truck just means the elimination of driver jobs. And I know that on the one hand, we as an industry talk about the prospects of autonomous vehicles in the commercial vehicle space as kind of being a solution for the driver shortage. But on the other hand, I've seen some research from the Department of Transportation and the Department of Labor that basically says that if we fast forward and imagine a future with autonomous vehicles in, in commercial trucking, that while, for example, long haul hub to hub routes might be automated, you'll have a, an actual greater need than today for humans, drivers, for the first mile and the last mile and more of the, the hub centric operations. And so while I don't believe that we're going to have uh, the same criticality with the driver shortage in the future due to AVs, I do think that we'll actually have kind of a mixed shift of where the labor is in the value train for, for trucking. And so I think that's on the road. And, and I don't care how good the systems are. We are a ways away from those systems being able to operate in vocational applications like, uh, you know. Anybody who wants to test that, you just come out to where I am in northern Alberta, and I'll take you on a road called the Willow. And and I can promise you, there's no AD that's going to be able to handle that. In you know, one day it's minus forty, the ne the next day it can be a complete you know blizzard, and 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 the next day everything can be melting, and and you can have two feet of mud. At least for the foreseeable future, many of the drivers that are working today, they will long be retired before we have robotics that can handle that uh that kind of environment so yeah i think the trend is is one that actually to me I, I have a lot of optimism looking forward i i don't think it's doom and gloom for the industry i think anybody working in the industry right now is uh going to be able to finish out their careers even if you're a young person and still you're there's going to be lots of opportunity for you in this industry totally agree uh, in fact is one talking point the temptation when we talk about autonomous vehicles is to think of the vehicle that literally can drive itself anywhere. And the reality is that for the foreseeable future, as you as you put it, we don't have that vision. We don't believe that in the next 10 years, certainly, if not longer, that there will be level five commercial vehicles on the road handling every single scenario that you can imagine. We do think that there will be level four commercial vehicles that are uh, geared towards specific operating design domains. And we think that that's a good example of the fact that while the industry doesn't have to go to fully autonomous trucking, that even uh, a level four deployment is enough to really be transformative for the industry 
uh, and really give us a, a lot of opportunity to see AVs in action. Well, we're very excited to have you back on the show, Sean, to talk uh, next time about a real world example where someone's deployed this technology and you can tell us all about how uh, they were able to improve their operation. We're looking forward to seeing more from your company. The work that, that you and your company are doing is is fantastic for the industry. So thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you very much, Jamie. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Sean Toomey of the ZF Group. To learn more, you can go to ZF.com. Links are in the show notes. Sean, thanks again for being on the show, and I look forward to having you back. Thank you. Take care. HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash Pride and let the heart of the Independent Service Channel take care of your commercial equipment.